She is the initial power, glory of Barbello, glorious among the realms, glory of revelation. She gave glory to the virgin spirit. She praised him for she arose from him. This, the first thought, is the spirit's image. She is the universal womb. She is before everything. She is mother, father, first man, holy spirit, thrice male, thrice powerful, thrice named, androgynous, eternal realm, first to arise among the invisible realms. She, Barbello. Sorry, I won't keep going. I'll leave it off there. I just wanted to keep going. You can leave it off at invisible realms. I was ready. I was so ready for that. I was like, who? Who is this bitch? I gotta know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Fixation, where my friends come on to my show and tell me about something that excites them for 30 to 45 minutes so I can acquire an approximate knowledge of many things. My name is Roma. I use the they and them pronouns, and I'm joined today by Wheels. Hey, I'm Wheels. I use they and she pronouns. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is I'm excited to be here. Uh, I was telling you this before we started recording, but like yes. any any time someone will give me this large of a stretch of time to talk about religious studies. Hell yeah, I'm there. Just your hand shoots straight up like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, so uh, I just, I'm so happy to have a bunch of moonshot people on my show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I feel always weird saying I'm a moonshot person because I don't currently have a show on the network and the show that I am working on uh, Total Depravity um, it's a mini series I'm like a quarter of the way done with it but uh, it took me a year to get the quarter of the way done with it that I am so um, so I'll just I feel like I'm kind of just in the background until then um, but I was on Interstitial I was on uh, Got It Memorized so folks might remember me, remember me from one of those Oh, absolutely. Wait, so it took you a, a half a year or a whole year? What'd you to do? Total Depravity? I mean, it's like it takes a lot of research. So Total Depravity is uh, a show about religious studies. So about the type of stuff that I'm going to talk here. I'm going to be like talking out my ass for this. That's um, fine. <laughs> but that show is like really, really well. Well, I say well, like I'm patting myself on the back. It's, I spend a lot of time researching it to make sure that I'm getting everything right. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, between reading the shit I needed to read to uh, write to like writing the script to actually doing the episode. Yeah, it took me about a year because I was also doing other things in the meantime, like I do a podcast, mm-hmm. Very Random Encounters, that takes up most of my podcast working time and then 
total depravity is just like total back burner will take forever to complete but i'm gonna be so excited when it is done <laughs> i'm so excited for you oh my goodness thanks but uh yeah so we are talking about religious studies today but what specific what what specifically are you hyper fixating on today because i am curious so one of my favorite things to do like one of my favorite things to do is to like give people a taste of just like how internally diverse any given religion is when you look at it in the full scope of its history like we can say this or that about what jews believe or what muslims believe or what buddhists believe but all of those traditions have such immense difference within those umbrellas um that if you're not within that umbrella you might not even think of it uh and i want to talk about a weird part of the Christian umbrella just to uh, kind of illustrate that we're going to talk about an extinct form of Christianity. Mm, love me an extinct religion. Mm -hmm. This is uh, we're going to eventually get to talk about what's called Sethian Gnosticism because here's the thing with religious studies. It's mm -hmm. it requires so much caveating because there's so much context uh, around everything. Uh, and I will try my best to not get stuff wrong, but I will be getting things wrong. No Even worries. the name Sethian Gnosticism is like has an asterisk on it. And we'll get to that later. But that is what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And it's going to take a bit before we can actually get to the Sethians. Because I need to explain the context uh, okay. behind them. So they will eventually come about in like uh, first through third century yeah the first through the third century uh which is like really early in terms of christianity right because well zero, zero you know he, he wasn't actually born on you know uh december 25th zero or whatever but oh what um, for real <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but uh around there right so we're talking like not even that many lifetimes away from Jesus is when we're talking, which like mm -hmm. we don't even necessarily know for like 100 percent sure that Jesus was a guy that lived. But we're like pretty sure that Jesus was a guy that lived uh, and died, of course. And so these are some of like the earliest texts that we have about like within the Christian umbrella. Some of the ones that I'm going to talk about. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because they predate something called the Nicene Creed, which is the ancestor to like Catholicism, Orthodoxy, Protestantism, basically almost any type of Christianity that you would be able to name eventually traces itself back to a bunch of old people got together in a place called Nicaea and decided what they thought Christianity was and anyone else was a heretic. Mm -hmm. uh, and then eventually those those forms of christianity get uh institutional power and so uh the other forms either fade away or are killed or what have you mm -hmm. and this is before that's even a, that before that like central creed is even established so uh all of that to say like whatever rules you think you have about what christianity should look like like throw those puppies out because <laughs> We're going to get into some weird stuff or at least stuff that might seem weird to those conversant in like more modern Christianities. Mm -hmm. uh, 
am I go- going too far? Do I need to stop? No, I'm I'm already fully invested. Like I'm sitting there cool. with, my, with my little hands together. I'm like, oh, yes. Tell me more about the cool stuff in Christianity. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So the Sethians who we're going to talk about are uh, a, a type of early Christian that uh, is influenced by Neoplatonism, which is to say Plato was a Greek guy and he wrote a lot of books about a lot of shit or rather he gave a lot of dialogues about a lot of shit that were written down and kind of formed the basis for a a, a new school of philosophy um, that then later writers would uh, coalesce and like kind of work the details out of uh, till you get to a guy confusingly named Plotinus, which is way too close to Plato. But they were like, uh, Plotinus is like 100 years later and is like a big fan of Plato, but kind of like uh, writes his own like Plato fanfic, right? Like kind of adds to the mythos. yeah. Heck (laughs) Um, yeah. (laughs) And like what he ends up adding becomes really, it it is philosophy. You know, it you wouldn't accurately call it I mean, you could call it a mystical text, maybe, but that term is f- kind of fraught. But you wouldn't really call it a religious text. You would more likely call it a philo- philosophical text. And yet the philosophy within it ended up being very influential on a lot of religions of the period. They kind of adopted the philosophy into their uh, religious perspectives. And the Sethians are one example of that. Um, the notable stuff that they incorporate uh, from Neoplatonism is the idea that the world around us is not the most real thing in reality. We could talk about things being like mo- actually more or less real in this uh, conception. Um, and like the world around us is real. It's there, but um, it's not perfect. There's like suffering and there's <laughs> death. Um Oof. Uh, you know, the, all the things we don't like, uh, 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 lag of um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, traffic, uh, all of these things, uh, you know, things aren't perfect. And yeah. uh, but Platonism and Neoplatonism's assertion is that somewhere on, on a more real level, there is uh, the, the thing that is the most real is goodness. So. The only stuff that's real in our world is the stuff that's been imbued with some form of goodness. The rest of it is just like uh, kind of just like gone rotten because it's it doesn't have uh, it's not participating in goodness. Um, Yeah. uh, How do I explain that better? I think I. uh, uh, Hmm. Uh, Have you heard of the allegory of the cave? Plato's allegory of the cave? I have not. But I'm I'm down to listen. So the story. Uh, so this is Plato. So not not Plotinus. Um, Plato has this story that we can imagine a bunch of dudes who've spent their entire lives in a cave, like uh, somehow like strapped down where they are, and they've lived their entire lives like that, and they're positioned such that they are looking towards the dark part of the cave, like away from the entrance. And so all they can see uh, are shadows of things passing behind them 
cast onto that back cave wall. So if something comes in front of the sunlight, they can see a shadow of it, but they can't turn their heads and see the entrance because of how they're positioned. Um, And you can imagine if you were one of those dudes, it would be natural to come to the conclusion that like the shadows are all there is because if you have no way to access knowledge of the actual object, you know, say there's a deer passing by and it's casting a deer shadow. The guy in the shackles has no way of actually knowing anything about the deer or that it exists at all. All he has is the knowledge of the shadow of the deer at the back of the cave. So that's what he thinks is all that there is. Um, Oh, my gosh. And the idea then is that we are kind of like the guy shackled in the cave because we're looking out at the world and we see uh, what to us is reality. But what Plato would argue is that there is a higher level uh, that is kind of projecting reality down to us. And if we really want to understand what's going on, we should stop thinking about our reality around us as the utmost reality and look to the reality one step higher, uh, which he thinks is the uh, he calls them the forms. So that's like stuff that no matter what tends to be consistent, like two and two still equals four, even if like, you know, even if your house burns down, you can still count on math, you know, Ayo. or like you can still count on like the the lake is always going to be beautiful every time you go to it. You know, it might be mm-hmm. a little cloudy or whatever, but like the the beauty inherent in nature is still there. So like Plato's idea is that those types of constants that are more like conceptual than actually um, that then rather than objects, that those concepts are more real than the objects that are participating in them. And so ultimately, you know, if we grabbed every maple leaf in the world, we could see how the perfect maple leaf doesn't exist. But when we look at all of them together, we can say, okay, we can see what the perfect maple leaf would be. And that that perfect maple leaf that doesn't exist in the material world does exist in, in the level of forms in the world of concepts and it is and that concept is projecting itself down to our world in the form of all of these imperfect maple leaves. Are you still tracking? Yes, actually. And I'm having a moment right now, like just. OK, <laughs> um, it should be clear. I don't believe this shit, <laughs> but but that is what Plato thinks. Um, the next step is to say that actually there really aren't all of these distinct forms. Like there isn't the form of two and two equals four or the form of the beauty at the lake or the form of the maple leaf. All of those forms are actually just part of one giant form, which is the good. Just whatever goodness that conceptually exists, that is ultimately all that exists. Um, And it's projecting itself down to our material world, uh, kind of creating it that way. That's Neoplatonism. Uh, Well, at least some of it. Uh, We good on that? We good to move on? Yeah, I'm good. Let's go. (laughs) So 
The other current of thought we have to get caught up on before we can talk about the Sethians in particular um, is just like what was going on in Christianity and Judaism at this time. So, you know, I already mentioned they're taking a lot of thought from uh, Neoplatonism and they're getting that by way of like uh, contact with like um, Egypt, like Alexandria is a huge center of knowledge at this point. In fact, Plotinus, the Neoplatonist uh, kind of a founding figure, Plotinus, rather uh, the, the later one, not Plato. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He's from Alexandria um, and like it's like kind of the center of a lot of philosophical thinking. And so Israel, Palestine being very close to Egypt, a lot of those ideas are coming up. But also there's a lot there's so much shit that's just happening there that oh, is completely man. unrelated. One important thing to know about this period is that it's fucking turbulent for Jews because the temple was destroyed in year 70. The Romans destroyed it. Oh, damn it. And for, of course, as I already mentioned, there's like a lot of internal, uh, there's, there's so much internal diversity in Judaism at this period as there is in any period. But a lot, a lot, a lot of the Jewish, Jewish sects at this period have like a lot of their theology tied to the existence of the temple, the, 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 the fact that the priests can still be making sacrifices there to God. Um, the center of the temple is thought to be like the place where God's presence dwells. And we can actually, as humans, well, the high priest can, can commune with God. So it's like, it's like pretty central. Um, and then it gets demolished. So a lot of Jews are pretty unmoored at this period. But one corner, uh, and so uh, just a little side note before we get back on the main road here. Um, mm -hmm. Most, but not all, of the Jewish groups that exist today trace back to a group called the Pharisees that would eventually become the rabbinic Jewish tradition. Um, so that's one group that did okay in this tumultuous period because the Pharisees, uh, you know, the the proto rabbis were. Um, much more invested in in what uh, daily life as a Jew meant outside of the outside of the temple. Um, and so they kind of didn't need the temple to the same degree. Um, so they okay, kind of live okay. on as what we know as in most cases as Judaism today. The other group that did pretty OK was the Christians because they kind of had they're out from the temple because they could just put all of the stuff that the temple was doing onto this Christ figure and solve the problem that way. And so if you are, um, that kind of explains the, the popularity of Christianity, uh, because mm -hmm. it's like only a couple, only a handful of decades after Jesus dies, the temple gets destroyed and, a lot of Jews got to pick some some sort of tradition to follow because a lot of theirs just broke up um, mm -hmm. and a lot of them becoming the early Christians. Of course, then it uh, opens up to non-Jews and and that's when a ton of the Greek and Egyptian influence really comes into uh, Christianity. Ooh, OK, OK. So there are a lot of competing Christianities at this point because 
a lot of people see, oh, we can foist a lot of like symbolic work onto this Christ figure that either the temple was doing or maybe you're a, you're a non-Jew, a uh, Gentile Christian. Maybe it was like some other tradition you gave up. You can kind of like put a lot of that on Christ because no one really agrees what the whole Jesus thing was about yet at this point. And so it, everyone's kind of playing Calvin ball with it. Um, hey, yo. And, and and the Sethians were one of the like the earliest people to like figure out a whole like system where they like, all right, this is what Christ is. This is how he relates to God. This is how we can be saved. You know, they, they get it figured out um, before a lot of people. Um, I think uh, I think we're here. I think we can talk about them. You ready? I'm so ready. Let's go. OK, so uh, instead of like Plato's The Good um, at the top being at the top of reality, the Sethians have an idea called the one. And it's basically the same thing, right? It's just all that there really is, is in the one. It's also called the pleroma, uh, which is just a fun word, um, but it just which yeah. just translates to fullness. So it just means kind of the fullness of everything that there really is, is the one. Within the one, we can imagine, or not we can imagine, but there exist um, multiple figures that together, uh, by their powers combined, form the one. Um, the three most important are uh, God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Barbello. Now, if you were a Christian hearing this, you might think I was about to say the Holy Spirit was the third uh -huh. one. <laughs> Not here, baby. We have the Barbello instead. The Barbello is thought to be, um, just as God the Father is thought of in paternal terms, Barbello is the mother. And the thought is that the two of them together, um, their interaction created the son, the Christ, uh, you know, because they had like had a baby, <laughs> um, baby, and by the three of them then interacting as a whole happy family, they end up creating tons and tons of other spiritual figures that like, you know, you might equate to angels, but it's not always completely equivalent. But you can kind of think yeah. of them like that. OK. And uh, and those figures are called aeons, which is the term that comes up in video games. <laughs> so if you've heard love that, that term. term, now you know where it's from. It's from this. Aeons are emanations of God. So like they're smaller subdivisions of the one that have like particular jobs. And we as humans have a hard time conceptualizing the one because it's too much. So we can better get to know these emanations of God, these aeons, we can better conceive of them than we can of the one. And they all come in cute pairs. They all have like their partner Aww. and they're all like paired off and they all have like, you know, one might be the aeon of life and one might be the aeon of uh, truth or yada, yada, the aeon of uh, mercy, these sorts of things. And they all have names and they all like fight with each other and have relationships with each other. And Drama. it's a whole soap opera. Yes. I um, love. But the one that matters to us most is Sophia, who is the Aeon of Wisdom. She gets a little too big for her britches and decides that she can make shit without her partner and without hey, any yo. other Aeons helping her. She's just like, I can. I saw the one create, so I'll just do that. <laughs> 
I saw it once and now I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course it goes super duper wrong. And what she creates, she like starts to create a world, but it it is totally wrong. And it ends up um, forming this creature uh, called Yaldabaoth, um, which which is this like evil (laughs) ram headed uh, 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 entity that is like the personification of everything that went wrong with her creation. And she really fucked up because she actually accidentally put some of her, you know, good, the goodness that makes her wisdom. She accidentally got some of herself in that creation. So somewhere within the horrible, uh, evil creature yelled about is some of the goodness that should be part of the fullness, that should be part of the one, the pleroma, but it's stuck in this bitch y'all the oath, and we need hey, to get yo. it out. No. She <laughs> <laughs> fucking dropped in there. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> so y'all the oath is sitting there with some of the divine goodness, but he's like not allowed to the party, you know, um, no. because he's an evil bitch. <laughs> And uh, so he's like, fine, I'll make my own party and you won't be invited. So he creates a world. No. And Roma, I have bad news. We live there. Oh, no. <laughs> so we live in Yaldabaoth's world. Yes, we do. No. And um, that's why everything sucks. <laughs> um, and what's really wild about all of this is that the theology then goes on to say Yaldabaoth is the god of the Jewish Torah. So like so like the Old Testament Bible, the Sethians believe that that god quote unquote is actually Yaldabaoth and was evil the whole time and that the real god was hoping we would see that and understand the divine fullness within ourselves that, and not try to emulate this uh, Yaldabaoth creature and to just see the goodness that is inherent with ourselves that is being projected down from the universal goodness. But we, uh, but Yaldabaoth put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden uh, where there are endless delights so that they would never notice that shit's bad and they would never introspect. So to the oh Sethians, God. the fact that Adam and Eve eat the apple uh, or it's not necessarily an apple, eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil as directed by the snake. That's actually seen as a good thing because it's Adam and Eve and thus humanity generally um, coming to realize that um, the world that we are in is not the one that we are meant to be in. And we have the capacity to escape it. And the way that oh we do God. that is that they send Jesus down. Jesus infuses the world with a lot more of the goodness so that it's easier for us to come to know it. And then it's a matter of um, getting yourself baptized uh, and kind of anointed in that goodness through that act, as well as doing regular um, meditations to clear your mind of material matters so that you can come to understand your uh, your place within the divine fullness, uh, within the one. And once you've come to know, once you come to know that you will live forever as part of the good in the divine pleroma. And that's, 
good. And everyone can achieve that if they just come to that realization, come to that gnosis, which translates to knowledge. I am I am fucking blown away right now because I mean, like, I'm not a very religious person myself, but there's so many just overall good lessons in there. But also to be like, yo, the Christian, like the, the the what's been taught to me growing up, like in like Christian schools. It's completely reverse. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> there is something to there is a caveat to be made there that like. There is so much good in the Hebrew Bible, in the Torah, in the Old Testament, obviously, because people have been taking lessons from it for fucking thousands of years. But uh, to the Sethians, um, to this particular group, it was useful in a lot of ways uh, in the opposite way as it was to, you know, uh, most readers today, at least. Um, And that's why I find them really, really fascinating. Uh, also, it's cool that the Barbello is canonically both male and female for some reason, mm-hmm. even though you would think it would just be female because they're going for the whole like father mother thing. But even though it's the mother, it's also supposed to be androgynous and feminine <laughs> and masculine. Um, we fucking stan a pangender queen. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I really like it. If you want to know more, if listeners want to know more, I, I figure we're probably done, right? Like I, I got to it. I think we're uh, probably up to your timer. Uh, you, you've got at least. 15 more minutes, oh, 30, six, 30, six, we're at 26 six. minute, right? 26 minutes right now. Cool. And so I can keep rambling. Absolutely. I've, I was about to say, please don't stop. I'm, okay, I'm so invested okay. right now. Great. So, uh, okay. I, here's what I can talk about. <laughs> there are a lot of different texts that put all of this together. Like I'm pulling from uh, the, the trouble with, with talking about, um, religions this old is it's really hard to say like where a community starts and ends and like some texts will be used by a bunch of different communities some texts will be like it's that is like just this one subsection uses it but if we want to talk about like the most important or maybe not the most important um, but at least uh, most fun for me to read <laughs> uh, one is called the Apocryphon of John, uh, also called the Secret Revelation of John. All of these, mm, getting on touchy ground here, but I'm just going to go for it. All of the Gospels, um, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and also there are other Gospels that didn't make it into the Christian Bible, as you and I might know it. They were all anonymous, uh, and, and they only existed uh, we only have copies of them from around like the 100s um and those names matthew mark luke and john were kind of appended later by early christians best attempts at who they thought would have written it Mm -hmm. and that kind of happens a lot and it gets even more confusing because a lot of times a cool the hip thing to do is to write a thing and then say it was actually written a couple hundred years before by some famous guy And so even though it's the secret book of John, it is purportedly from the same perspective as the gospel of John that exists in, you know, the Protestant, Catholic and Orthodoxy Bibles. But it's like clearly written by a different person who's just trying to emulate the same character. Mm -hmm. 
And it tells the story of uh, John hanging out with his brother, James, who is also one of Jesus's disciples. And uh, this is after Jesus has died. Jesus um, appears to them as the as is common in a lot of these Christian stories. Right. The idea of Christ coming back after death is uh, kind of a big deal. So Christ comes back to talk to James and John and specifically to tell John what's really fucking going on. (laughs) And and that and so there's like this little uh, at the beginning of Apocryphon of John is this little uh, uh, frame story where John is like, I was walking around with James and then all of a sudden Jesus came to me and he said, son, sit down there and, I'll, you know, I'm going to hey, spin yo. you a yarn. Um, <laughs> and what comes after that is the stuff that explains all of like the. Uh, the like. Uh, all of the different figures I was talking about, about the father and the Barbello and the Christ and the Sophia and, and the Yaldabaoth, all of that stuff comes in that section after. And we actually know that the middle set, that, that the section that comes after, like after that little introduction is older than the introduction. So it is quite possible that all of that theology stuff that we we've been talking about actually predates it, it belongs to some other community that predates even the Sethians and maybe even Christianity and that we oh. just happen to only have this text as it was interpreted through the lens of the Sethians. So oh my God. this was probably used by other groups in different ways, maybe with some of the names crossed out and others written in, you know what I mean? Oh, that my brain just is exploding forgive me <laughs> that's okay but the apocryphon of john we only have uh it is new to us us being like uh, uh students of religious studies because mm-hmm. i talked about the nicene creed ages ago and how that became the early orthodoxy which then splits into orthodoxy and catholicism which then splits into catholicism and protestantism that like early orthodoxy when when before all those splits, um, they did a really good job of making sure that uh, none of the materials of what they considered uh, to be heresies survived. <laughs> so for the longest time, the only knowledge we had of groups like these Sethians uh, and many others like them were from orthodox writers writing about why they're wrong. <laughs> And that was and like occasionally quoting them. And that those quotes were like the only snippets we had to like rev- kind of like try to create an image of what these people were really like. But of course, it ends up being uh, kind of a bad picture because it's filtered through the image of people who don't like them. <laughs> but yeah. in the late 19th century, so like the late 1800s, we found a thing in a place called Nag Hammadi, Egypt. Uh, called the Nag Hammadi Library, which was a library of books sitting there uh, in a place, you know, an archaeological at an archaeological site. um, A bunch of these books were found that were once part of a library uh, that we now call the Nag Hammadi Library. And my God. The Apocryphon of John is just one of the books within that. And there's so much wild shit going on in there. That's so hype. Oh, my God. And so 
there's not just Sethian texts in there. There are Sethian texts, like we just talked about the Apocryphon of John. There are also uh, texts from Valentin Valentinian Christianity, which is like very similar, runs a lot of along, along a lot of the same lines, and they would have um, cross-pollinated ideas, so they end up looking like quite similar. Like some of the names are kind of just different, but it's generally a similar pattern in Valentinianism, although I don't necessarily think that Valentinian Christianity has the same like negative interpretation of the God of the Old Testament. I think that they're still okay with the God of the Old Testament and don't identify him with an evil figure, but are like kind of otherwise fairly similar to what we got where we were talking about in Sethian Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, oh, by the way, it's called Sethian because Seth was supposedly the third son of Adam and Eve. So it goes Cain, Abel, and Seth. And, you know, the Cain and Abel thing didn't go too great. So <laughs> no, Seth ends up inheriting, like, the the the, the responsibility and, and goodness and prophecy and stuff is supposed to come through Seth's line, through Abraham, through yada yada. Um, so that's why it's called that. Sorry I got there last. <laughs> oh, you're good. Um, but I'm yeah, following. so there's Sethian texts in the Nakamati library. There are Valentinian texts in the Nakamati library. There are just there's just other shit in there. And uh, we almost and we have not had these texts um, for very long in the grand scheme of things. They're only a, we you know, we only discovered them in the late 1800s. So there's like a lot of scholarship to kind of catch up on in understanding these groups. And it's like. I hope that you're like in now like I am of like how fucking wild some of these extinct religions are by modern standards. And like, yeah, I just I, wish we knew more about all of them. <laughs> I need to know. Oh, um, my God. But I think I, I think I should stop there, because if I went further, I would be ballooning out into like other topics and then I wouldn't stop. Oh, no. But this is like a sensible place to stop. Well, I we think. can. We could start kind of, we'll, we'll start winding down here. That sounds good. I honestly, I could, if you decided to ever make a YouTube channel where you just did this the whole time, I would listen to you every day. I have great news for you <laughs> yes! in like four years uh, when Total Depravity comes out or because that's literally what it is. Uh, it's called Total Depravity because Total Depravity is a theological concept in certain denominations of protestantism it's like an extreme form of like original sin essentially um but it's called total depravity which is very funny to me and it sounds like a metal <laughs> album and so total depravity is just me i invite people on and i much more thoroughly than i did today i i really research one of these topics and essentially do what i just did but with like a slideshow of visual aids with uh uh, at least a few guests to react with like jokes written in. Yeah. So if you want to listen to the uh, and rather watch the first episode of that, um, you can be a moonshot patron. And then if you just search total depravity in the moonshot Patreon feed, you can find the first episode of it. Uh, it's done. It was me and Marn and Jory, uh, both of whom you've heard on earlier episodes mm -hmm. of this um, talking about Shabtites V who was a 1600s uh, Messiah claimant, so someone who claimed to be the Messiah of the Jews in the 1600s, and it went really, really, really badly. And so that's oh what God. we talk about in the first episode of Total Depravity, which you can hear and watch as a Moonshot patron, or uh, you can wait 
uh, a million years for the whole first mini season of four episodes to come out when I'm done with them. Eventually. Good thing I'm a moonshot patron. Hell yeah. Oh my gosh, hell yeah. I... I know this is a little bit of a jump, but I've been I've been curious. Uh, I will admit that my my knowledge of religion is really small for somebody who's jumped between Lutheran, Methodist and uh, Latter-day Saints at one point. Oh, really? You and I will have to talk uh, about that later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, Yo, yeah. I did not know that about you. That's fascinating. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took a class in college called Literature and the Occult, and it was probably one of my favorite classes I did yeah. not need to take. Um, the professor was a regular of mine at my very first job, and I was like, I definitely need to go take a class from you, like real yeah. casual, like $4,000 later. <laughs> yeah, um, right. We discussed Beowulf, but like, Fuck really, yeah. it was so good. And my favorite part about it is the the just, if I'm remembering this correctly, I will admit I was not the best college student. But I do actively remember who was just reading through it. And it sincerely felt like some Christian guy was like, yo, this story is sick. Don't do this. Don't do this. Bad. But check this shit out, man. (laughs) But yo, listen to this. It's fucking metal as hell. (laughs) (laughs) It made me gave me so much joy. (laughs) Yeah, I love I love how like old uh really ancient shit is uh like always like packaged so weirdly like that like uh case in point we were talking about today where the text starts up with a weird thing about uh james and john walking around even though that's not what the rest of it's about not even a little bit (laughs) well a little bit but yeah yeah Uh, man i love this glow i get this nice little after this little glow. I'm like, I come in knowing uh-huh. like almost nothing. And I'm just uh-huh. like, the hyper fixation, like what's the word? The, the, the fix. I got the hyper fix. It flows through you. You're a <laughs> conduit for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm so happy. For, and also, this is the part of the show where I go brain dead. Like I have a million things I need to say simultaneously. <laughs> and a million yeah, things and I need where to, to start, right? Where do I begin? I'm trying to think. Usually by this time of the show, I'm like, is there anything else that you'd like to add before uh, we really begin to, like, finish up everything, start doing outro stuff? I mean, I could give just the same caveat at the end that I gave at the beginning that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, especially when I haven't, like, (laughs) sat down and, like, done all the research. And even when I do, like, total depravity, the first, like, 15 minutes still me giving caveats because this shit is really, really complicated because Mm -hmm. uh, show me five religious people and I will show you five entire show me show me five Christians and I will show you five entirely different conceptions of Christianity. Right. Uh, And so we're Mm -hmm. talking about shit that's this old. It's really, really hard to be right and accurate. But I tried to be to the best of uh, my knowledge. Uh, But sorry if I was wrong on anything. (laughs) Oh, you're good. And, And as I've said before, if they're getting if they're going to be mean about it, I'll fight them. We can I want, if they're going to be mean about it, I want them to be my friend. If they know more about this shit, then be fucking talk to me. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> it's actually just vaguely reminded me of. Uh, 
I do actively though want to be more knowledgeable in like religious studies because we're th- yeah. they're pretty much like the first like badass like stories. You know what I mean? Like some of them are there's more a lot badass of cool shit. Yeah, yeah, but there there's so much stuff that I would like to better understand about older religions and like theology and stuff that will help me understand current media like that also the to, to fuck i'm going on a tangent but for example with uh fuck what is her name we had the father the son and then what's her name with the b the barbello name? the barbello uh like why did they take that cool fucking quality out and put the holy spirit who is just like 1000 percent androgynous of like almost nothing uh, yeah you know? so they were just kind of com- they were just kind of separately they were they were come up with separately, so they're just like entirely different figures, but they kind of end up fitting a similar niche. Just that it's like the same niche being filled by two very different types of Christianity. Like hey yo, hey yo, but and I, I aspire to be the Barbello. <laughs> I you and me both. Oh my goodness, but yeah, I we could probably keep going on forever, but this is about the time to wrap the thing up. I believe. I believe you. I believe. All right. Um, where can people find you on the Internet? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Singular Wheels. Uh, you can also find uh, I talked about total depravity earlier. So just go mm-hmm. back to when I was talking about that. And then I am also on Very Random Encounters, which is a tabletop role playing game, actual play podcast where we randomly determine as much as is possible. Uh, and then improvise uh, more focus on the role playing aspect of role playing game than the game aspect. So um, improvised storytelling with like uh, usually like 15 to 30 episodes in a season. So when a new season starts, you don't need to know any of the backlog. Um, so anytime you want to check in on very random encounters, you can just start on an episode that says number one next to it and then you're in and uh it rules and we're let's see uh when do you figure this one will come out this episode is not going to come out this upcoming wednesday uh jacqueline's is going to come out this upcoming wednesday with mm-hmm. umi neko but wednesday the Ooh. 7th i'm literally yeah. reading umi neko right now with carly holy shit i need I, to listen to that i'm so excited because she jacqueline was just like yeah it's like one piece and chainsaw man but in like a visual novel form i'm like eh, okay oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, OK, so then uh, what we'll be doing on Very Random Encounters is we're actually going to be kind of like between seasons when you listen to this. So a new season is about to start. So it's a good time. So you'll see in the feed we just did a mini season of where we did uh, we played a one page RPG called the very Muppet version where you essentially do a Muppet movie for a movie that never got the Muppet treatment. And we did it with Blade Runner. So you can listen to that uh, miniseries. Uh, that'll be up at this point. Uh, and then the next full season that we're starting, that should be starting around when this drops, uh, is a season that I am running called Planet Cryptid. It's in a, a custom setting that I made. It's a planet where everyone's encrypted. It's as simple as that. I love uh, that so so check that out. It's at Very Random Encounters. Absolutely. Ah, what words. I have words. I have a brain. Um, and you can... It's my turn now, right? It's my yeah, turn I think now. so. Okay. 
And you can find me on the internet at twitter.com forward slash I appreciate your butt. That is I-A-P-P-R-E-C-I, the number eight U-R-B-U-T-T, where I will not shut the fuck up about One Piece Chainsaw Man and about whatever outfit I'm wearing, honestly. Then uh, you can find this podcast as a whole where you'll get updates about episodes releasing as well as uh what are you know previous hyperfixations will get liked and retweeted and such and that'll be at twitter.com forward slash the hyperfix pod um or you could just have everything all in one place at any given point in time in our discord you could find that link in the show notes as well as the the twitter.coms um where you can see all the different tabs everything separated by uh topic and you could talk to anybody everybody and everybody about things that you hyperfixate in common with i can use words sometimes yeah that was um, great made sense you. but we couldn't have done this without the moonshot network so thank you to at moonshot pods on twitter.com for letting me have this show and do fun stuff so you can check them out there you can find the link to the patreon there as well and check out their twitch streams at twitch.com forward slash moonshot network yes and last but not least Thank you to Offuskate, that is O-F-U-S-K-A-T-E, for my intro and outro music. Um, it tickles my little ADHD brain, and I am <laughs> so happy. You could find them on SoundCloud and Instagram and Twitter. So check out their stuff. They're wonderful. And I believe that's it. I believe that's all of the things. I think we did it. Huzzah! Huzzah! Okay, everybody. Be safe. Don't die. Drink water. And badoop! Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. Andrew, Andrew, what are you doing? Oh, hey, Marn. Uh, so I'm playing through an alternate reality game, and there's a number station puzzle that we just can't solve. Uh huh. Yeah. So I tried everything else, and I figured that the best way to solve it would be to get into its head and think like a number station. I've been saying numbers into microphones for hours. Okay. Well, I I think I have a better idea. What's that? You could just listen to the Argonauts podcast. Every two weeks, I can let you know the ins and outs of old Args and give you a deep dive on how they were created. Uh, do you think we could like have a nuanced discussion about game-making philosophy and how cultures around games have changed as well? Yeah, and you can definitely continue to fail to solve old Args along the way. Well, it sure would be cool if that was a podcast you could find to bung with a bunch of other great shows over on the Moonshot Network. You know, it sure would. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for the invite. Uh, anyways, I'm going to get back to this, though. 23. 19. Okay. 